Welcome to another episode of The Coreling Solution, where we look to provide you with awareness and actionable insights. On this episode of The Coreling Solution, I am proud to bring you Ty Montague. And you know, the topic today is really how do you become a story doer? You know, over the years, many of us have learned the value of storytelling. You know, storytelling has helped many of us transform our messages around mission, vision, purpose, and values into action with both our employees as well as in terms of our value propositions with customers. But Ty is raising the stakes to another level in terms of moving from storytellers to story doers. So let me welcome to the show, Ty Montague. How are you, Ty? James, it's so great to be here. Thank you for having me on. Oh, great to have you. And I see you're, you're, uh, you look like you have a pair of, uh, what kind of headphones are those? Uh, these are Jabra headphones. Okay. I like it. I like the red wire. Nice contrast with your shirt. looks really nice. Yeah, man. <laughs> so let, let me read your uh, your full bio. I always like the people to to know the background of folks uh, on the show. Okay. Ty Montague is a co is the co founder and CEO of New York based Co Collective. Co Collective is a creative and strategic transformation partner for purpose led businesses. Co has helped some of the world's boldest companies begin their transformation journey by working with leadership teams to identify their higher purpose and bring that purpose to life throughout the business. Once a team aligns on their purpose, Co helps them. Design and deploy the new products, services, and content to make that purpose real for their customers and for their employees. Founded in 2010, the Co team has been fortunate to work with some of the most inspiring and progressive organizations and business leaders in the world, including Google, YouTube, LinkedIn, IBM, MetLife, Microsoft, the ACLU, MoMA, Infinity, Capital One, and Under Armour. In a previous career in the advertising business, Ty was also an agent of positive change as Co president and chief creative officer of J. Walter Thompson, North America, Ty and his business partner, Rosemary Ryan, helped lead a five-year transformation of that company. This effort culminated in JWT being named Adweek Magazine's 2009 Global Agency of the Year, the first award of its kind for JWT and its parent company, WPP, before. Before that, Ty launched and helped build the New York office of Bartle Bogle Hargitay, ran the New York office of Whedon and Kennedy, and worked at the New York office of Chaya Day. Over a 15-year period, Ty was fortunate to work with a blue-chip roster of companies including Nike, Ford, Mercedes-Benz, Coca-Cola, JetBlue, Unilever, ESPN, to name a few. Ty is an author and frequent speaker on the topics of innovation, business transformation, and the power of story. His first book, True Story, How to Combine Story and Action to Transform Your Business, was published in 2013 by the Harvard Business Press. Ty has been named one of the 50 most influential creative people of the past 20 years by Creativity Magazine, as well as one of the top 10 creative minds in business by Fast Company Magazine. So again, welcome Ty to the show. Great to be here, James. A lot of scar tissue there, Ty. <laughs> I've several lives. That's right. <laughs> Are you like uh, 25 in this life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say I'm a teenager in this one. There you go. So, you know, I always like to ask people so the audience gets, gets to know you personally a little bit. What would be one thing that you might be able to share that the people who know you best, that really know you, may not know about you? Oh, that's an interesting question. I would say it's not something I'm shy about talking about, but I, I tend not to volunteer this information. I am um, a person who dropped out of both high school and college. Is that right? And, um, 
you know, you would think that that would have um, held me back. Uh, but I have been extremely fortunate in my life to find, um, I guess, a career path that uh, is dependent more on meritocracy than on uh, resume. And um, that's kind of how I got into the advertising business is to be a creative person in that business. You didn't really have to have any credentials. You just had to be able to do ads. And so you had to prove that you could do ads by showing people a speculative portfolio and either you had it or you didn't have it. And so I, I lucked into that and um, you know, the rest, uh, the rest is, is uh, I guess, history. That speaks to your creativity, I guess, right? I mean, to, to be a creative, some would say, well, left brain, right brain, right? Creative usually, usually on one side, the analytical and such usually on the other side, right? Yeah, I think it's right brain is creative and left brain is, uh, is analytical, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely, um, I'm definitely a creative person. I, um, I, I love creative people. I love the being, you know, I love being in the business of ideas. I, I, I consider, I, I still believe I'm in the business of ideas at Co. although we are, um, you know, we're, we're, we get involved in much deeper layers of strategy than I did in the advertising business. Gotcha. Um, so I, I have to, I have to flex the analytical side of my brain as well at Co. Absolutely. So, you know, it, when I looked at uh, some of the work you're doing here, I, re- I really love uh, the concept and well, maybe we can start with what led you to this, this idea of story doers, right? Um, you know, storytelling, even to me, some are still just getting into that, right? This idea of storytelling versus, you know, we, we go away as the leadership team, we create the PVM, right? The purpose, the vision, the mission. Then we create the, 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 the listing of all the objectives and break them down into quarterly rocks. And then we come back and we give these edicts, right? And in between there, often the communication is sparse, right? So even getting people to move and flex to, to storytelling to some organizations is still new. What led you to, to this further path of, of storytelling, uh, story doing rather? I was in the advertising business for many years and um, I was a storyteller in business. I helped companies define uh, their story and then I helped them tell that story using mostly paid media, 30 and 60 second television commercials. Um, and I loved that business and I loved the people in it. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, but about, I don't know, 15, 15 years ago, a while back, maybe even further back than that, I, I started to notice some things about that business that I didn't love. Mm. Um, one of them was it was very possible for a company to tell one story through the commercials that they were making and, and do an entirely different story. Mm. Uh, you know, kind of in in the actions that they were taking in the world. And that always bothered me. The second thing I noticed was that there was actually a, what felt like a new kind of company being born in the world, one that was managing to grow very large, very successful businesses without doing very much storytelling at all. In other words, um, you know, they were they had a story, and story, I still believe, is fundamentally important. So mm-hmm. I'm not at all anti-story now. But they, these companies were taking that story and expressing it through experience, right. through actual tangible customer experience, the physical spaces that they created. You know, some some cases the software and, and other products that they made. In some cases, their business model. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the first one I remember noticing was Starbucks. You know, we all went through the experience of 
waking up one morning, or at least felt this way to me, you woke up one morning and suddenly there was a Starbucks on like every street corner in the country. And at the same time, there wasn't any Starbucks advertising anywhere. And because I was in the advertising business, I was like, how did Starbucks do that? How did they build such a big, successful business without doing a bunch of paid media advertising? And I got curious Mm. and I started making lists and I started to discover more of these companies. You know, I noticed companies like Chipotle uh, were running this play. Companies like Method Cleaning Products were running this play. Tesla is a story doing company. Google is a story doing company. Hmm. Well, these are companies that have built massive uh, businesses, and you, 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 you know, some of them advertise a little, mm-hmm. but. They- they didn't, it felt to me, and at this point it was just a feeling, right? I didn't have any data, but it right. just felt to me like they were operating in a different way. And as I went deeper on this, uh, I noticed some of the things that made these companies different. And one of the primary things, one of the first things that that uh, I realized is that these companies have some kind of a higher purpose. They are on a quest to change the world in some, uh, in some cases, very uh, ambitious way. And they, you know, want to make it possible for you to join them in that quest as either an employee or as a, as a customer. As you looked at those companies, you know, one, one, I almost feel like I, I felt uh, that almost like you had a, a fiduciary responsibility as you saw them kind of telling one story and living out another story, right? You felt yeah. uh, some obligation there, right? To, to intercede. Yeah, that's right. I felt guilty. Yeah, you felt guilty. Um, but yeah. then the second thing, as you started to, to pull back the covers of those companies who were, again, living out the story, not spending as much advertising dollars, as you thought about them, and again, it could be, it could vary based on where they were in a life cycle, so to speak, right? But if yeah. you're a new newer company and you're still in the quote unquote, not profitable yet, right? Cause you're still spending a lot to break through. Yep. Are there any particular metrics that pop to you? You know, I don't know, cost per acquisition, uh, stronger, uh, uh customer returns or anything that kind of pops is, you know, if companies are listening now saying, Hmm, you know, we're earlier in stage, I'd love to even start, you know, noodling with this a little bit. What, what would be the first sign you'd see? Well, So let me try and answer that by talking a little bit about the questions that we ask um, potential clients. We have six questions that we ask them, um, and there's no science to that number. It's just, um, you know, what we've noticed is that every company is on a journey from, from, you know, or on a, put another way, is on a kind of scale between being a pure storyteller, mm-hmm. there are very few of those, and a, a pure story doer. Yes. Um, everyone sort of falls somewhere along that continuum. And so we designed these six questions to help you define where you are on that, on that journey. Uh, the first one is, do you have a story? And many companies would uh, answer when when we talk to them answer that question by saying our problem is we have too many stories mm. we don't we haven't as a leadership team really defined on a line on what is the one story what is the story that we are going to tell for the next 10 to 20 years what is the the one thing that we want people to take away f- from from about us um, and and so we help companies uh, do that. Does your story define an ambition beyond commercial aspiration? Is it a quest? In other words, does it have a higher purpose to it? Are you trying to give something back to the world with your with your story? That's that's a very important aspect of a quest. 
does it have you defined a clear enemy mm. because knowing what you're for is great but knowing what you're against can be That's even good. more energizing right what are you fighting against what yes. is your what dragon are you getting out of bed every day to slay like who's your darth vader um is your story being used to drive innovation throughout the company in other words your your quest should be once you use it a, a tool that you use to make decisions every day inside the business. It's not something that goes, gets carved up in your, your lobby or, or written down on a piece of paper and put in a desk drawer. It's it's, you should be using it every day and people inside your company need to know how uh, to use it. So then have you defined a few iconic uh, or transformative innovations to focus on? So what we talk, what we, what we mean when we talk about iconic innovations is, you know, a, a quest um, should help you understand. When you understand the the higher purpose that you're serving, you mm-hmm. then go a click down and you go, okay. Therefore, how are we making that quest real to our customers through the products that we make through that through at every touch point, right? The yes. products we make, the services that we provide, our business model in some cases, and then maybe communication. So it's not that we're even anti-communication. It's just we're anti-communication first. Yes. Do your story. Make it real for your employees and your customers and, and make people understand that you, you, you really mean it. And then, um, you know, potentially do some, some communication. And the best story-doing companies have defined a couple of, of actions that they have taken that, that get famous. You know, they are... Uh, riveting in one way or another and cause people to sit up and kind of take notice and begin to talk about them. Starbucks, just to continue that example, and and Starbucks is not a client of ours, by the way, this is not our work. Gotcha. Um, But Starbucks, for instance, you know, after uh, years, after it had gotten very big and successful and kind of lost its way a little bit, Howard Schultz rejoined the company and the first thing he did on day one of his return is he he shut every Starbucks store in the country, in the world, for an entire day, for a day of retraining all of the baristas. Mm. And his point was, mm-hmm. we've forgotten that we're about coffee, and we need to get back to that. And, 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 and everybody, I want the entire company to focus on that for a day. That helped get everybody back on the on the right page at Starbucks, but it also picked got a huge amount of media attention and helped people understand that like Starbucks got that they needed to do something different and something new. And it was it was it got a lot of press coverage. Are people and this is the acid test though, are people outside the company engaging with and participating in your quest? So have you created a, a a purpose that is is meaningful enough and inspiring enough for people that they want to actually help you get it done and that by that i mean employees but also customers right and so if you're sitting here listening to this podcast ask yourself start by asking yourself those six questions you may have three of them in the bag already which means you're already on the journey to being a story doer um, it's it's a very rare company that can answer all six of those questions in the affirmative. And if you can, you probably don't you probably don't need us. Yeah, no, that's good. And and so, what typically leads a company to engaging you? Well, it's interesting. Um, we we often um, get called when 
you know, we, we do work with some startups and we do work with some very big companies. Mm-hmm. And we often get called when a company has realized that they need to change. There is something going on in their business that has gotten their attention. And they have realized that they need to make change, but they are not exactly sure what change they need to make in order to solve the problem. And and we often will begin a conversation just helping them, you know, get their head around how to articulate the their their own need. Right? right. What is it that what is what what is causing the problem that you have have now noticed, and you know what what might we do to um, to, to get you back on, you know, what we would call, you know, an authentic path. They start to sense that there's a delta between the things that they're saying and the things that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And they want to try to, they want to try to bring their words and deeds closer together. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, once you start this, you know, and you alluded to some of this with the six questions, but it was well, a two part question. One, as the company starts to go through this and they say, look, I want some of that goodness. But I'm sure they turn to you and say, Ty, what what are the what are the outcomes I can expect? What do you feel that, you know, pretty much guarantee that as we go through the and guarantee is a strong word to use, but what should we expect as outcomes if we go through this uh, quest process with you? I can talk to you about some specific examples. I can't it's hard for me to talk about um our our clients a lot of a lot of the work that we do for our clients is fairly confidential sure. but um one one thing one way to answer that is to say we have you know I told you back at the beginning when I looked at the list of story doing companies that I put together my sense in addition to just not doing as much advertising there's a feeling that you get from these companies that is palpably more modern there's something more um human mm-hmm. about them and you kind of sense the difference and so we wanted to find out whether in fact the feeling that we had about these companies um w- w- you know the feelings that we were having that they're more human that they're more efficient businesses potentially uh, was true and so we created a, a a study we've run it now three different times we have run it on 50 different publicly traded companies hmm. in seven commercial categories and we've run it three times the results have come back uh, the same each time and if any of your listeners w- want to know more about the methodology you can go to storydoing.com and we've got it all up online um, but uh what we've learned is that um as as we suspected originally, story doing companies are, in addition to not spending as much on media, they're growing faster. They're actually more successful businesses. Um, you know, their their stock price is has grown faster uh, since 2007. I think was our first data. Um, they're more than twice as likely to be perceived by consumers as being. Um, uh, future thinking or like uh, modern mm, feel mm-hmm. a little bit more like they're from the future. Yeah, they're more than twice as likely to be perceived as innovative. Story doing companies get more credit for being good places to work. Mm-hmm. And they have they create more consumer loyalty. So both employees and consumers tend to be more loyal at story doing companies. Um, and probably because of this fact they get almost twice as many mentions in social media as more traditional story wow. 
telling businesses. So people just want to talk more about these companies and they are twice as likely to recommend these companies to a friend if they're already a customer. Got it. Got it. Um, and, and they achieve all of those um, metrics spending only a third of what tr- more traditional storytelling companies spend in paid media. So those are the outcomes that yes. you know, we're, that interest us is, you know, the business metrics. Cause if it's, everybody wants to make the world a better place until, until it's going to hurt the bottom line. And then, you know, th- things, th- things don't go so well. And mm-hmm. our, our, our strong belief with, with some evidence to back it up now is that this is actually a, you can build a more successful business by operating in this way, a business that is outrunning traditional storytelling, uh, st- storytelling companies. Yeah. That's good. And this is probably a, a gross misrepresentation uh, and replay of, of what you said. But here's how I'm, I'm digesting this, almost like in a world where where everyone is taught to pump more out almost per hour of social media uh, yeah. or above the line advertising. This is almost uh, say less, do more or yeah. right, do your story more. And the benefits could be everything from uh, lower cost of acquisition customers who return more customers who in turn tell your story and get more customers for you, more earned media employees who stay longer. So higher uh, employee um, engagement, uh, lower attrition, which means lower cost to fill seats. And so all this goodness comes, but you have to have the patience to do first and not talk and then see the fruits of it over time. Exactly right. That's well said. Good. I, I love that. I love that. Let me ask you this. I'm just curious, just for, for grins and giggles, how many folks have, have thought they wanted to start the quest? And as you show them the process and, and what they may have to go through, say, you know what, I, you know, can't do it. Well, uh, that's a great question. Actually, nobody's ever asked me that question before, but um, we, we do see a, we see a drop off uh, in the doing part of our process. Mm. Um, clients, some clients get up to the edge and they, we develop the story with them and it's in the doing of it that they, they get a little shy. Um, you know, it's a process and change is hard inside companies as you very well know. Absolutely. Um, and the hardest thing to do is changing change is to change behavior. So, um, you know, we, we try to stay, um, optimistic about that and just, and just, uh, see those, those clients as folks that are going to take a little more time to get there. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is even those who don't necessarily implement the, the doing ideas that we bring to them, because we have a, a creative team that will help clients develop ideas. We do all of our work. I should probably have said this in the beginning. All of our work is done collaboratively collaboratively with clients. Mm-hmm. We have strategists and creative people on staff at Code, but we work with our clients. Um, so we're not a disappear and yes. come up with the golden answer and then come back and try to sell it to a client. Our ideas and our thinking and our strategy are developed with the client because fundamentally, you know, it's not a thing that you can make up, right? right. You have to draw it's, it's based on fundamental truths about the company itself and the people in the company. And so that has to be drawn out of um, people, but you know, even, even when uh, c- clients go through the process and, and uh, decide not to implement 
the ideas that we have co-developed with them, um, they they find tremendous benefit in just being able to have the words to articulate to you know their own employees and to their customers um, about what they really stand for in the world. Yeah. So. That's good. You know, and to your point of change and and embracing all that change, right, which could be so different for folks. How has this year looked in terms of clients that could have either, you know, gotten ready to start with you right before the pandemic started and then social unrest were already in work or existing clients you've done work for that said, wow, in this moment, Ty, I need to come back and do some work. What's that felt like during this period? Yeah, we've had we've had some of both of those things happen. But in the beginning, I can tell you it was terrifying Mm. as it was for everybody. You know, there was so much uncertainty about what the pandemic was going to mean for uh, businesses. And, and, you know, we're a project based service business. So, um, you know, if you're not keeping the the funnel full, like things get thin fast. And um, um so we we were kind of simultaneously hoping for the best and preparing for the worst, and and fortunately we have come through very well. Um, you know there has been no um, no lack of demand for advice during this period of time, and maybe we should have understood that in advance. But uh, it's been great to see you know clients that we have worked with in the past, as you said, reach out again and ask for advice and. Um, it's been great take. We've we've actually gotten several net new clients during this time, who are all you know contending with issues that started before the global pandemic sure. and and um, you know the George Floyd well essentially murder in in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that those have been sort of uh, uh, created a new layer that that clients have had to had to contend with. I mean. We publish a series of, we call them story do's and story don'ts. We try to publish examples of companies that are doing really great positive things in this time and companies that are maybe need to rethink their strategy a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And just just a couple of examples from that, you know, the pandemic, you saw some companies, you know, just rise to the occasion and make the pivot immediately to using whatever they had at their disposal to help solve the problem. You know, companies like Under Armour, which full disclosure is a client of ours, um, you know, they, they pivoted uh, from, you know, using their, their abilities to make athletic apparel to um, making a, a super innovative folding, Mm. um, they called it an origami mask for first line, frontline uh, workers, healthcare workers, um, and made them started producing them at, you know, in massive quantities, first in Baltimore and then outside of Baltimore. And that turned into a, a product for them, the UA sports mask that is now available for every athlete. And, gotcha. uh, and so that's an example of a company that just, you know, and it's part of the Under Armour culture is, is to just, um, you know, deal with what comes and and stay stay hungry and stay on your toes because um, you know life life comes at you fast. So they 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 responded well. Dyson, you know, pivoted to making ventilators uh, when it was just the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great example. And then there were companies that kind of that that really kind of fumbled it. You know, uh, um, you know, Budweiser that you know. The, 
as the, as the pandemic wore on, there was a, a movement of people who wanted to um, not wear masks and to go back to get life back to normal. And Budweiser leaned into that, which is a, you know, it's like, look, you can't blame people for being bored or, or, or unhappy that about social distancing. But if you're a company, the absolute wrong thing to do is to try to reinforce that behavior, right. even if it benefits you. So they did a promotion um, called the Taste of Freedom promotion, where mm. they and they did a commercial announcing that promotion. That it's like we should all get back together. Everything's <laughs> going to be fine. Everything's just like normal, and uh-huh. you should buy some Budweiser, by the way. And it's it's like it's things like that that made me really happy to get out of the advertising business because I'm sure the f- folks you know behind that were unhappy that they were being asked yeah. to, to do that you know yeah. I mean and then George Floyd same thing you know you had some companies like step up I'm I'm sure I don't I don't know if you follow this is an example of advertising being used I mean Nike had already um you know kind of come out in support of Colin Kaepernick, right? Which was the right thing to do, but a risky thing to do. If you're Nike, yes. you know, you're going to lose some customers over that. They just, they did the right thing and, uh, and came out in, in, in support of cap. So when the, when the George Floyd murder occurred, you know, they immediately put out a, a commercial that was very credible, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't absolutely a Nike because they were already on the record. Absolutely. And, support it uh, in support of this and so that was a super effective so effective that adi you know adidas uh, a competitor uh reposted the nike spot in support oh, wow. and said this is the right thing to be doing even though obviously it's a right. blood rivalry between those yeah. two companies. i didn't know so, that huh right so super interesting and then um, LinkedIn, uh, again, full disclosure, a client did a fascinating thing where they realized that there was a bias that is created in the A-B testing that a lot of software companies do is they're testing different versions of software and that the way that those A-B tests were being run was was inherently biased. And so um, they created a, a solution to uh, f- sort of seek out or search out the bias in your, if you're a software company and you're making software to look for the bias in it and point it out to you. And they open source that. Um, so that's an example of, you know, um, LinkedIn's, uh, LinkedIn's quest is to create economic uh, opportunity for every member of the global workforce. Mm-hmm. And if that is your quest, then You've got to be an anti-bias company. And they did that story by by creating a tool to help all software companies, um, you know, be anti-bias companies. On the uh, story don'ts, you know, there are a bunch of these the CrossFit CEO uh, yes. you know, com- coming out and, and, you know, having to retire because of his racial remarks. Um you know, Refinery29 having, you know, a toxic and racist internal culture and trying to jump on the uh, Black Lives Matter bandwagon and and being outed by their own employees. You know, that's the thing is like, if you are, if, if, if you are being inauthentic, like these days, you are, yes, you are in, you're going to get in trouble, man. Yes. That is it, just <laughs> not possible anymore. Yes. Right. Um, and so I, that's a big, that's a big change. I think that's been becoming truer and truer, but the combination of, of the pandemic 
and the Me Too movement and and Black Lives Matter now like are making uh, any lack of transparency just super dangerous for companies, yeah. which is a great thing. Absolutely, absolutely. This is good, Ty. I mean, so many good takeaway points here um, in what you shared, and and I love the six questions. I think they're going to be extremely helpful for the audience to think through. Uh, those who are considering maybe reaching out to you, they can give themselves a, a checkup before they make that phone call <laughs> because they know what to expect, right? Given those six questions. That's exactly right. Yeah, you can self-diagnose. Self-diagnose, exactly, before you make the call. Uh, as we begin to wrap up, any other pieces of advice or, or parting words that people should consider uh, in, you know, in this moment and longer term in regards to considering a quest? Yeah, look, I mean, um, this might be a little philosophical. It's, it's less, um, I guess, business advice than it is just an observation. Um, I, I really believe that uh, this is, you know, we're in a moment where as a, as a country, we need to look into our own soul, mm. you know, because we have been telling a story very effectively for a long time. You know, it started out with all men are created equal. Maybe the fact that it was all men, it was a problem right from the beginning. Like it should be all people are created equal. Amen. And we built a, an incredibly uh, aspirational environment based on that belief that you could come here and be whatever you dreamed uh, you could be. Um, and that has turned out to not be true, right? We are doing a very different story Correct. in America. Correct. And we must get those two things in alignment mm. because all of us know that if you meet a person who you realize tells you one story, but does another, if you meet a company that tells you one story and does another, or if you see a country that tells one story and does another, they lose all credibility with you. They lose your trust. And, you know, this is our credibility on the global stage is at stake in this time. You know, and so we need to we need to we need to crush down that delta. We need to get our words and deeds aligned. Mm. The original idea was the right idea. We just need to do our story here in America. That's so good. I mean, that what you just closed with is the ultimate example of a disparity between show to uh, uh, telling and doing the ultimate disparity. So good. So good. Well, Coraline Solution audience, you heard it from Ty Montague uh, representing co-collective, the co-founder here. Again, those are uh, our statements. Those are Ty's statements as always want you to soak it in and love to hear your feedback on whatever channel you're watching this on or listening to it on, throw your comments in the comments section and we'll certainly get back to you. Thank you for watching and listening to another episode of the Coraline Solution. See you next time.